Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Rita, your host. I'm very happy to be with you again, and thank you for tuning in with us. I'd just like to start introduce our panel for today, and I may start with uh, Ken, because I will welcome him back after a, a miss few weeks. He enjoyed his little holiday or trip or whatever in Western Australia. Welcome back, Ken. Thank you very much indeed, Nick. Great to be here. Helen, thank you for coming uh, again to this. Always a pleasure to have you on the panel. It's great. It really is great to be here. We are so blessed. And Lija, thank you for coming also. I feel very privileged to be here. Thank you. Brenton is our facilitator for today, and uh, thank you for uh, preparing this Bible study, Brenton. And uh, with no hesitation now, I'll just uh, hand the microphone right to you. Thank you, Nick. It is a privilege to, to be here today to study God's Word in our Bible study time. We've actually entitled our study today, Satan, a Defeated Enemy. When you think of defeats, you think of wars, you think of all sorts of things, but when you think of a topic like Satan as a defeated enemy, you start to think in the spiritual realm. You start to think in terms of heaven, what took place in heaven, what is taking place here on earth today. And a good way for us to start this morning, I believe, is to have a look at the very first messianic prophecy in the Bible. It's found in the book of Genesis, chapter 3 and verse 15. I'm going to invite our panel to have a look at it together. Helen, I believe you've got it. Would you like to read the text for us, please? Love to. It says, and I will cause hostility... Oh, by the way, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Mm. What can we determine from that particular statement? First of all, who has made the statement? God is actually, but he's talking here about Jesus. Mm. Jesus and Satan. Um, what I find extremely interesting that this to me is salvation, but this is also a love story. And, mm. and I suppose that's a, an interesting way of looking at Genesis 3.15 because a lot of people don't really understand it. But it says, you know, I will cause hostility between you and the woman. Mm. Now, we have got the woman, which we're mm. going to discuss, I've yes. no doubt. Yes. But, you know, if, if you like to think that we've got the bride, we've got the groom, and then we've got the opposition, the bride, of course, being um, being the church, Christ is the groom. Mm. The opposition then is Satan. Now that's like someone trying to come in and take the woman away. Mm. And mm. but I know the end of the story. Yes, and it tells us even here, I will strike his head, mm. and you will strike his heel. Striking the head is more deadly mm. than striking the heel. So the the love story ends at the book in Revelation is is happily ever after. So mm. I've jumped from one mm. to the other, but I just I just love mm. that verse. Thank some, you. Some versions use the word crush. He will yes, crush your mm, head. That's correct. Lydia, were you going to make a comment? Yes, here is the first controversy. First time revealed in the Bible, the first time there is an enemy that hates the human race. So uh, Satan hating the church, God, God's people. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. There's an important point here that is absolutely vital to our study. This is, um, you've all heard the term, I'm sure, there was a fight to the death. This is a fight to the death. Mm -hmm because one party is going to crush the head of the other and the other party is going to be injured but not fatally injured. Helen, you were Yeah, I, I've just, something that I did leave out and it just hit me then while you were talking something important there. It doesn't just talk about hostility between Satan and the woman. It also talks about between your offspring and her offspring. And that also is very important. You mm. know, he wants to wipe out everybody That's and anybody mm. that wants to have allegiance with God. Mm. Ken, did you have any comments to make on this? Well, it's uh, reasonably clear there, but I think uh, one of the things stands out to me is this, this great battle, this great fight uh, that's actually going on. And sometimes listeners may find it difficult to believe that there is uh, or there was a great battle in heaven and Satan and his people were fighting gods, uh, angels, and this is a real fight, real 
people are real spiritual beings and uh, it's quite a serious thing. Mm. Here is taking place here on the earth, isn't it? Absolutely. We will also mm. look just a little bit later on what took place in heaven where it all began before it came down here <laughs> to earth. And um, I'm going to ask you now to turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 12. As I said in our opening comments, Satan is a defeated enemy. And the question that some of you will be thinking as you listen to this program is, um, well, when was Satan defeated? Can I add that I was reading through the week about a study that was done, I think back in 2009, by George Barner. He's a researcher. Yes. And he, the survey was to find out how many people actually believed in Satan as a living being. And it was interesting to see that 40% of the Christians interviewed believed that Satan is not a living being but a symbol of evil. Mm. That's four out of ten people. That's pretty high when you think about it. And But, you know, if we study Scripture from Genesis right through to Revelation, we see an extraordinarily powerful being who Christians must take seriously. Mm. Mm. He's not running around with a, a tail or, and, you know, a pitchfork or anything. Mm. Mm-hmm. He is a living being, and yep. he's powerful. True. And he's extraordinary, but we have no need to fear. Yeah. We have God on our yeah. side. Ken, you I, I think one of the interesting things about that, uh, there's also, as many of us know, many, many people on the earth who actually worship Satan. Mm. So uh, it, it's not just those who maybe don't believe he's a, a real spiritual being, but there's certainly plenty of people who believe he is a spiritual being and know him and worship him. That's Good true. point. Lydia, you had a comment. Yes, also we have to realise that Satan is real his existence is real he stands behind all evil and rebellion in the universe and he is the uh, arch enemy of god and his people and he knows that his last chance to succeed against god before the second coming of jesus is to win the battle of uh, armageddon but in chapter 12 we have the assurance that satan will not succeed Hmm. Chapter 12 of Revelation is a good one because it really gives you the picture for the rest of the book of Revelation. In the rest of our Bible study time together over the next few weeks, we will be studying themes that basically relate back to this. And so it's important that we have a look at this particular one. Uh, Lydia, could you read verse 1 and 2 of chapter 12 of Revelation for me, please? Helen, I think you yeah, can had a I, comment can before. I, yeah, we... just jump in. I yes, agree with sure. you totally. Mm. Revelation 12 is virtually the very heart of, the of book. this book mm. when you think about mm. it. We've talked about seven churches, seven seals, seven trumpets, and related in mm. often to historical things. Yes. Now we're looking at what they call eschatology. Yes. Which yeah. is the time of the end. The study of last yeah, day events. so it's a very, very mm. important chapter. Mm. Thank mm. you. Helen, Lydia, could you read verse 1 and 2 for us, please? Yes, chapter Revelation chapter 12, 12 mm. verse mm. 1 and 2. Then have a look at it together. A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Okay, all right, let's start to unpack this a little bit in our Bible study time together. What does a woman represent in Scripture? Just quickly, anybody. That represents the church of God. It represents the church. Can there be a good woman and a bad woman? Absolutely. Does Scripture reveal a good woman and a bad woman? Yes. Wait till we get to chapter 17, (laughs) folk, in a few weeks' time. (laughs) Okay. So we have a woman here. Now, what are the characteristics of this woman that you find particularly interesting? What is she clothed with? She's clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet. Okay, so there are two characteristics there. Okay, now what does being clothed with the sun represent? Christ's character. Yeah, the sun represents the, the glory of Christ's character, his righteousness. And he is the light of the world, and his people are to reflect the light of God's loving character in the world. And okay. the moon, the moon that is the lesser light, points to the Old Testament promises. Mm. Okay, well, let's, let's have a look at that. The representation of Christ's character. Remember, Jesus himself said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? Glorify your Father in heaven. So here we have the church having Christ's character. 
which is reflected light. The moon is the reflected light of the sun. Am I right? When you look yes. at the moon, last night there was a full moon. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who went outside, I did. It was almost like daylight. It was so bright out there. <clears throat> but it is only reflected light. What we need to remember uh, as listeners and as those of us on the panel here is that all our goodness comes from the Lord. All of our righteousness, we don't have any of our own. It's reflected righteousness. It's righteousness that comes from being covered with Christ's robe of righteousness. Nick, I could see you're about to make a comment. Uh, just uh, while you mentioned about the moon and um, being uh, secondary, you know, to the sun, because it's just reflecting the light of the sun, and in our uh, context here, we're talking about uh, Jesus Christ being the full revelation you know the of the plan of salvation but the moon also has a very important role just thinking of from the an ast astrology point of view uh, on moon there are based on lots of the orientation if you like and guidance mm -hmm. you know and as we just pointed out that the old testament it's more like you know representing the moon how important is to know the Old Testament because then you'll be guided into the right direction not to lose track mm. and that's why so many people will just uh, focus on the New Testament and leaving uh, behind the Old Testament but how important is the Old Testament because Jesus went back again and again to quote from the Old Testament and just thought from that point of view you know to compare it's important to know where we are and to be guided in the right direction Nick, that's a good comment, and I'd like someone to read, seeing you've brought it up, Luke 24, verse 44. Luke 24 and verse 44, which actually comes in to play with what Nick has said. Thank you, Nick, for bringing that uh, comment up. Luke 24 and verse 44. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Here's Jesus saying to the disciples in one of his appearances after his resurrection, everything that was written about me in the Psalms, the prophets and all the other things must be fulfilled. Um, in other words, the book of Revelation, as we studied a few weeks ago, we, what did we say? It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. What you've got here is Jesus actually saying to them, what is the revelation that you guys currently have of me? It's the Old Testament. I have fulfilled all of the things that, are, uh, that the Old Testament said I would do. I have fulfilled them. And now it's for you to have your minds open so that uh, you can take it from there. Let's keep going. Thank you, Lydia, for what you read. Helen, would you read verses 3 to 6? We're really going to do um, an in-depth study of Revelation 12 because our Bible study is primarily based in this chapter. Again, from the New Living Translation, it says, Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns with seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod, and her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where God had prepared a place to care for her for 1260 years or 1,260 days. Thank you, Helen. All right, let's start to unpack these verses as we can. We've had one sign appear in heaven. It's the sign of the woman. Yeah. Now we have another sign appear in heaven. And let's remember this is not talking about the third heaven because you wouldn't have the sun on your head and the moon underneath your feet if you're in the third heaven. So this is not talking about the third heaven. But now another sign appears in heaven, and it's the sign of a great red fiery dragon. Now, who can we as a panel say that this represents? The answer is actually later on in the chapter, isn't it? But what does it actually say? Who is the dragon? The dragon is Satan. The dragon is Satan. Any significance about the red? It doesn't say he was a great dragon. It says he was a great red dragon. <laughs> What does red symbolise in the Bible? Blood. Mm -hmm. What else? Sin. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be mm. as white as snow. So we have a great red dragon. And what is 
It, it describes him as having seven heads and ten horns. I don't think we'll spend a lot of time on that. But verse 4 is particularly significant if you go back to it. What does it say he did? What did this dragon actually do? Swept away one third of the stars of the sky. Mm. And we believe that that was a third of the angels. Mm. Helen, you have a piece of uh, comment there that I'd like you to read. Someone who we believe had a lot of insight into some of these things that took place in heaven has written these words, and we'd like to share them with you. Thank you. It says, All heavenly hosts were summoned to appear before the Father to have each case decided. Satan unblushingly made known his dissatisfaction that Christ should be preferred before him. Satan exultingly pointed to his sympathizers, comprising nearly one half of all the angels, and exclaimed, These are with me. Will you expel these also and make such a void in heaven? Then there was war in heaven. The Son of God and true loyal angels prevailed, and Satan and his sympathizers were expelled from heaven. Thank you, Helen. Yes, this red dragon, Mm -hmm. which is identified as Satan, Mm -hmm. he swept with his tail, he swept away a third of the stars from heaven down to earth. So this action shows that having fallen from his exalted positions in heaven, Satan was able to deceive a third part of the angels. So these fallen angels are the demons who assist the devil in opposing God and his work of salvation. Mm. I'd like someone to read um, particularly the term tail. Remember, Helen, you just read the term tail. Mm. His tail swept a third of the stars of heaven. We know that stars in Revelation refer to angels. You can find that in Revelation 1 verse 20, for those of you who want to check it out. But I'd like someone to read Isaiah 9 verse 15. Ken, could you read that one for us? This tells you something about the tail. We may not see any significance But the fact that it was the tail that swept a third of the stars of heaven is actually quite significant. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 15 actually makes an interesting comment that helps to unpack this for us. Okay, we're reading from the King James Version, verse 15. The ancient and honourable, he is the head, and the prophet that teaches lies, he is the tail. Now, here is a principle that perhaps we have missed often in studying the word of God. It says the tail of the dragon swept a third of the stars from heaven. In other words, what Satan practiced in heaven was deception, the Mm. same principle that he is practicing today here on earth. His modus operandi, we could say, has been exactly the same all the way through. It began in heaven and it's continued down here on earth. Why? Because it's been so successful. (laughs) So many people have been deceived by him. Now the scene seems to change very, very quickly, doesn't it? (laughs) We've moved from the dragon taking a third of the stars out of heaven, but he actually does something in the very next verse, uh, or the second part of verse 4. It says, The dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. Can someone share with us exactly what this is talking about? I believe it was he used Herod, King Herod at the time, to try and destroy Christ as a baby. Mm-hmm. But that's where in the, the scripture tells us that he destroyed those two years and under. Mm. And there was weeping in Rama. And that was the f- first time he tried to actually get rid of him after the war in heaven. He wanted to get rid of him from the word go. And he tried that right throughout Christ's Mm. life. Do you think Satan understood Genesis Mm 3.15? Oh, absolutely. Why is he making such an attempt here to destroy (laughs) the baby at birth? Yeah, It's an interesting concept, isn't it, Ken? I I think the reason, of course, Satan also knows the end from the beginning. Yes, he does. And he thought, well, if somehow he could get rid of Christ, then he perhaps has a future. But, of course, Christ being the Son of God, Mm. you can't get rid of him. Okay, Nick, you were going to make a comment. Yeah, just uh, adding on that, that uh, as you pointed out in, uh, in from Genesis, that Satan knew straight away that the one who will crash his head is, was here, you know, and, uh, and he w- was trying to do everything what he could to avoid that um, prophecy. Because, uh, you know, you may think that uh, Satan doesn't know prophecy. Oh, he knows, knows it very well. And that's what uh, I'm encouraging people to read the Bible 
to know the prophecy because by knowing the prophecy then you'll know also the tricks and the attempts of Satan to deceive us because you know Jesus how uh, he resisted the temptation by quoting the Bible but uh, knowing what the Bible said to be able to stand against mm. the enemy mm. and it's very important for us not to be scared or you know by this foe you know but to be encouraged that if we know the Bible and have Jesus on our side, we don't need to fear anything. We have protection. Absolutely. I'd just like to add to that, that it really is important to know the Bible, and especially prophecy, because with this you can see what's, uh, what's happening in the future, and you can see where you are uh, in the world events, uh, the time frame of the world and what's happening. And there's so much that is uh, is important to our lives that's actually explained in prophecy and it's certainly worthwhile looking into what we have read in these verses is really a period of 1260 years of persecution and we're going to look at that a little bit further as we go through our study but now the scene changes we seem to have gone from the child who almost lost his life at birth uh, being caught up to God in his throne we find the woman, the church, going into the wilderness, fleeing into the wilderness to avoid persecution. Now all of a sudden changes. <laughs> and we, in verse 7 to 9, Helen. I, I find it interesting, this is one of the principles in studying Revelation, I believe, is that there is repetition and yes. there is enlargement. And we've got a perfect example it's here chiasma. because, yeah, it's a chiasma. Because it actually started off, you know, um, seeing this red dragon in mm -hmm. heaven as you said now we're going on to verse 7 and it goes right back to the war in heaven after mentioning that little part in between I find that extremely mm. interesting and if God is going to um, inspire the Bible to be repeated there is a reason for that and we need to pay attention just yeah. a very brief comment on that for our listeners and that is that Jewish thinking is very different to our particular thinking, the Hebrew thinking of the time. What they would do is they would give you the big picture, then they would go back and start to fill in the details. Mm -hmm. For those of you who want to check that out for yourself, read Daniel, the book of Daniel, the prophecies of Daniel. You'll find you get the whole picture, then you go back and the rest of the chapters are filling in the details in between. What you've got here is you've got a, a picture of uh, a dragon, a woman, what the dragon tried to do, the length of time that all of this lasted, and all of a sudden we move from that and now we go back to where did it all begin? It all began in heaven. So, Ken, can you read uh, verse 7 to 9 of chapter 12 of Revelation for me, please? And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not, neither was there place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Thank you, Ken. Now, there are two things that are critically, critically important in our Bible study today that are mentioned here about Satan. What are they? In view of the three verses that we have read, what are the two things? First of all, what does it say about them when they're expelled from heaven? Well, unfortunately, they were cast down to the earth. Yes, they were cast down to the earth. That's a good point. Uh, Helen? It says that they lost the battle. Yes. Before even being, you know, mm. they actually lost the battle in heaven. They fought, and the, the last part that Ken read out was they deceived Yes, okay. Yeah. Can someone go back to verse 8 for me, please? Lydia, can you read verse 8 again? But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. My version says, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. What can we make of this? We can make of this that Satan and his sympathizers were permanently banished from heaven. And this puts a whole different complexion on why he is trying so hard today to deceive people, why he is trying so hard to keep people out of the kingdom of heaven. He will never go back, and he doesn't want anyone else there as well. Isn't yeah. that cause for us to rejoice? Mm, it is. Because for me, that tells, that, me, tells me that um, when the Lord comes again, Satan will have no part. There will be no more sin. Mm. There will be no mm. more death, no more dying. It actually gives us hope, doesn't it? Mm. 
Yes, it does. We may come uh, a bit later on uh, more, more fully to, to talk about this, but even though he lost that real thing to be in heaven with God there and was banned, he actually as a ruler, if you like, of this earth because mankind sinned and give allegiance to him, he was still trying to get back in heaven and actually we'll see, we may touch on that point, that he tried to represent the earth Uh, in the heavenly council and uh, we'll learn how he lost even that that thing you know uh, mm-hmm. the cross but yeah we'll, we'll come back I, I just thought because when you mentioned uh, that when uh, the war broke in heaven and he lost he was cast down and never to to be able to to attend the heavenly council if you no like. I didn't say that Nick what I did say was that he was permanently banned from heaven <coughs> I didn't say that he didn't have occasional access to heaven he could no longer go to heaven and live there. Mm. Mm. Lydia, I think you were going to make a yeah. comment. So in verse 7, chapter 12, verse 7, it, there was war in heaven. Mm-hmm. So the, the way it's described here, it's described in uh, military language, war. Mm. Yes. So war, it means fighting. This normally describes an armed conflict, but they can be used in figurative ways as well as uh, quarrels and verbal disagreements. So, upon closer examination in James 4.1, the war in heaven is more a war of words than a military event. So it involved two things. It involved both physical expulsion from heaven, but it also involved, in a sense, spiritual expulsion as well because of Uh, Satan's Rebellion. Ken, I think you had a comment. You yes, I'd, I'd just like to throw something in here mm. uh, in case our listeners are wondering about this, and that is uh, Michael is fi- uh, is fighting Satan, and Michael as we know is Jesus, but the other I think really interesting point that perhaps listeners may be wondering well if God is supreme power why didn't he just get rid of Satan and kill him? Well that's, that's a good worth point. Mentioning. Mm, that's a good point. Mm. Anyone got a a response to Ken's comment? I mean, uh, that's, uh, it's a Bible study in itself. Uh, it but uh, just a very brief comment is that God is uh, showing here not only his grace, because we know at that time that it, that could be possibility of, uh, even for Satan and his angels, there was chance of possibility of Uh, repent, but what I'm trying to say is more than that. God actually needs to reveal his true character to the whole universe because you you remember that you mentioned that Satan used that tactic of Deception. deception. Now, when deception What deception means? Deception means that it's not something which you easily can uh, figure out, you know, and then God needed to allow the whole thing to really cook up, if you like, and come to its uh, fullness. Mm. And then we may be able, ourselves as human beings, uh, we were deceived and we sinned, even as the angels in heaven, to see the real picture and the, the motives of this enemy, Satan. Because God, if God will, will uh, kill him straight away on the spot, Even the angels in heaven may say, okay, you, you don't muck around with God, you know, because if, he is, if you're not on his uh, page, you know, but it's not the case. Yes. Thank you, Nick. It seems uh, from our study of the word so far in summary that we could say this. God allowed rebellion to ripen, to show its full fruit, not only so that heaven could see it, but so that people here on earth could see it. Therefore, it made the coming of the Son of God to this earth to save us, to redeem us, that much more important because it would be visible to all heaven, all of the unfallen worlds and all of the unfallen angels. What would have been visible to them is the perilous state that this world was in. And unless the Son of God came and rescued us, there was no hope. So uh, that puts a, a, a real different complexion on it, doesn't it? Helen, I think you were going to make a Yeah, I, I'm agreeing with everything that you've said. I've often <coughs> had this question asked when I've been out in the community. You know, why did God allow 
Satan, you know, when he could see the end from the beginning. And and it is true, God could have. He had the power to zap Satan, literally. Sure. And said, you're gone. But, you know, if we look at a ruler of this world and, and somebody goes against them and he said, right, you're gone, what do we call that person, that ruler? We call him a dictator. Or an autocrat. Yes, mm. or an autocrat. And I believe that the angels that were looking on at this... As Nick said, they would have got the impression, well, maybe Satan was right, mm. you know, mm. but we have to see the fulfillment of yes. sin right yeah. to the end, what it does. So we will never, ever yes. want to go down that road again. What God is doing yes. is ensuring that sin will never rise again Absolutely. the second time. Yeah. All right, let's um, go back to the word now and let's start at verse 10. And I will read a few verses here for us. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Can I ask a question of our panel? When did this casting down take place? When? According to our Bible study, when did it take place? Wasn't, didn't this happen after the big fight in heaven? When Satan yes, lost that, the was, that was one casting down, but this is the second casting down. Nick made a very good point earlier on that while Satan was banished from heaven permanently, he still had, shall we say, temporary access. He used to attend council meetings as the usurper, as the uh, person who had taken Adam's place or claimed mm. to be taking Adam's place. In other cross, Jesus said something very important. And it was, is finished. Mm. What that meant, you know, this great conflict, if you like, in between uh, God and Satan was one at the cross. Now, we still see the effects and we can still see the, uh, he's trying so hardly to deceive as many of us on this earth, not mm. to be able to be with mm. God in heaven. Mm. But he lost the battle actually in terms of, uh, I believe at that point, mm, all the angels the in heaven, mm. they could see his real uh, mm. character. Mm. Thank you, Nick. And there is a, a comment here, which I will read to you. Satan saw that his disguise was torn away. His administration was laid open before the unfallen angels and before the heavenly universe. He had revealed himself as a murderer. By shedding the blood of the Son of God, he had uprooted himself from the sympathies of the heavenly beings. Henceforth, his work was restricted. So whatever access he had to heaven prior to this, he no longer had access to heaven. He'd been cast out of heaven originally with his angels, cast down to this earth. He still had temporary, shall we say, occasions. He attended council meetings. Now, any shred or skerrick of sympathy for him had been uprooted because the universe had seen his true character. And you all know the saying, it's interesting, isn't it? You've all heard the saying, if you give someone enough rope, they'll hang themselves. Well, basically, this is what Satan did here. He, because of his insane jealousy and hatred towards God and towards Christ, he killed the Son of God. He was actually responsible for the death of the Son of God and revealed his true character. Nick, you were going to I just want perhaps to, a large a little bit on that? Just to mention something else in case of somebody will uh, you know, question where did we, did we get that thing that uh, Satan still have uh, access uh, you know, to the council in heaven and so on. Uh, I will just recommend uh, this time because we are not going to look particularly for that study, but uh, one book in the Bible which is very Job. important which describes that it's the book of Job mm. and you'll uh, understand from there how Satan uh, you know it's uh, debating you know the righteousness of uh, Job there and you'll understand that God is, is dialogue is having mm. a dialogue with uh, with Satan uh, at the council I, I thought I'd just mention mm. that in case you, people want to check that yeah. out Helen you uh, had a comment yeah yeah I, I was interested this here. is a good study isn't it yeah. <laughs> I was interested here here in the text that you read out that he he's known as the accuser of our, brethren. of our brethren he accuses them before god day and night when the cross came about and jesus says it's fulfilled satan now no longer can accuse us before god isn't that wonderful and i think that is good news mm. and and the fact that christ died for us and we accept him 
in our life we accept his mm. gift mm. that he gave us the from gift the cross of salvation. he mm. covers us satan cannot now stand be- in the presence of god and say mm. well you can't take her into the kingdom you know because she does this this is and this and this it is finished it is finished and if we accept the righteousness of christ that covers us that is a blessed hope wonderful absolutely mm. and again helen i uh, just mm. want to add something there because uh, there are people who also believe in uh, once saved forever saved and i want to just mention something because you're so right in there if we give our lives to jesus to god satan doesn't have anything else to to do against us to accuse us but if we don't then he can uh, argue with god and say no leave them alone they giving allegiance to me sure. and uh, that's why now it's up to us to maintain that uh, privilege if you like of being on god's side mm. we can easily reject that and if we reject that then satan will say these are mine leave mm. them alone mm. very important thing mm. if it was once saved always said why did paul say i die daily mm. good, it is a daily point. commitment mm. a daily yeah. surrender helen before we move on i just wanted to yes. reflect on something that you read mm. and let's read it again it's in uh, the second part of verse 10 it says for the accuser of our brethren who accuses them before god day and night has been what cast down Where is this voice coming from? Heaven. Mm. In other words, there is recognition in heaven that those who have accepted Jesus, those who have accepted his saved blood on their behalf are accounted by the heavenly host as our brethren, not them down there on earth, mm. our brethren. Mm, They are our family, members of our family. Good news for our listeners, good yes. news for us, yeah, good news for everyone. It's not very good. Lydia, could you read uh, verse 12 for us because now now the picture changes again. <laughs> What about verse 11? Well, you can read verse 11 as oh, yeah, well. It's, yeah. it's a very good one. Yeah, it says <laughs> they overcome him mm. by the blood mm. of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice you heavens and you you who dwell in them but woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you he is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short now wow. who are those who overcome him so those who overcome him by the blood of the lamb mm-hmm. and by the word of their testimony are the 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 end time remnant those who keep god's commandments and also the key component is those who are worshiping the lord so the fourth commandment is the sabbath and uh, the second characteristic here in this verse it says they have the testimony of jesus christ so it means in revelation 9 10 explains that it's the spirit of prophecy so john see here his brethren who have the testimony of jesus that are the prophets mm-hmm. so in at the end time god's people we have the spirit of prophecy in their midst of to guide them through those difficult times yes that is that is a good point legia uh, let's have a look at verse 11 again they overcame him who is it that they overcame the devil satan right by what the blood of the lamb There are so many texts in scripture that describe the efficacy and uh, or shall we say the value of Christ's shed blood on our behalf. It is impossible to overcome the devil without accepting mm. the fact that Christ paid the ultimate sacrifice for us. Mm. But the second part is equally important. It's the word of their testimony. It's not just the testimony of the prophets that's important. It's the word of our testimony. Yes. what has jesus done in our lives and for our listeners today we live in a society where christianity shall we say in in many parts is disregarded or regarded with a great deal of cynicism what a person cannot do is they cannot gainsay or laugh or ridicule what jesus has done in your life 
And that is what it is talking about here. Helen, did you? Yeah, I'd like to follow on with what you said. It says they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. I just finished reading a a, a wonderful book, very inspiring, called Rachel's Tears. I don't know if you remember the um, massacre that happened at Columbine. Yes. 19, when was it, 99? Oh, yeah. It happened some a, while it's a ago fair now. while Probably ago. Probably about 20 years and ago. And 13 roughly. people were massacred. Mm. Most of them were Christians. And this, this is the story of Rachel, one of the girls who, who actually died. But she died for her faith. And it was after she died, her parents came across her journal. And her relationship with the Lord was just amazing. But what was even more amazing, the, the guy that was with her when she died made the statement that they had already shot her in the legs they shot her in the the torso Mm -hmm. they came back they held her head back and the guy had the gun at his head and he said do you love god and her statement to him was you know i do and he said well go and be with him and he shot her so she did not fear for her life she was accepting and and she comes to me she comes under this you know they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die you know we are going to go through persecution we are going to face um the battle with satan but we shouldn't be frightened of it you know, we shouldn't even try and escape it. Jesus said, mm. when you are persecuted, mm. you know, there's a statement I just love from one of my favorite authors. She says, we have got nothing to fear for the future, except we forget the way mm. that God has led us in the past in yeah. his teachings. Mm. I would I would strongly urge every listener to keep a journal of their walk with the, the Lord. Yes. Because I know in looking back over my life, I just see step by step how mm. he's been there, how he's guided. Mm. And it hasn't all been a bed of roses. No. But, you know, he takes us through these things. And Satan is going to steep up his persecution mm. now because he has a short time. As it mentions in verse 12. Yes. Ken, I think yes. you had a comment before we move on. Uh, again, this is one of these topics we could spend uh, a lot of time a on. But time. I'd, just, I'd just like to say a few things on this. Uh, firstly is that uh, I'm very, very sad for the people in the world because uh, Christians who know the Bible well know what's coming and they can see that uh, the world is a mess. But the other interesting thing is there's so many people in the world who are non-Christian and anti-Christian, but they also see the world as a mess and they sense that something major is coming. That's why so many people at the moment uh, are spending uh, lots of money building all these shelters and and bomb places and whatever to try and protect themselves. But they don't actually know what is coming. But, of course, we know Jesus is coming. Now, most of us who um, know the Scriptures really well and understand these things, if you ask us and say... You know, we could give you, we could make you live to 150 years old, or would you rather be with the Lord? I think we would all say, well, we'd rather be with the Lord. So, dying is no fear to us because we want to be with Jesus and we look forward to Him. And for those people who say, oh, look, I'm, I'm fed up hearing about Jesus and all that, if they were to open their heart and their brain and let Jesus come into their life, they would be richly blessed. Mm. Thank can, you. Can I just add to that too, that sometimes we put our faith not in Jesus, we put our faith in possessions, mm. in, in power, in, mm. and in people. Sure. Um, let me assure you that when all these things happen, that the only one we can hold on to is Jesus. Mm. So I mm. went through an earthquake up in Papua New Guinea many years ago, and the ground went from under our feet, literally. And it was, uh, well, it was 7.4 on the Richter scale right under our flat. So it was pretty horrendous. But it taught me something very valuable. Before then, I was materialistic. Don't break a casserole dish. We hadn't long been married, you know, (laughs) or whatever. After that, I could walk away from anything. You can take every part of my possessions and that's fine. Mm. Because I know that when that earth started to shake, the only one I could hold on to was the Lord. Mm. And I mm. think we need to get establish that relationship yeah. now. Mm. And saying that, Helen, uh, particularly from a Western uh, perspective. perspective, you know, we live in, uh, in a country like this and many other parts of the world where many people don't have any needs. Mm. They just have wants and they want more and more for themselves. But uh, if we are uh, able to recognize the time we live in, particularly, we should be so intentional and focus 
on our lives to be ready for Jesus Christ's return, but also to prepare the people who are out there still uh, not knowing. And you know what, some, what amazed me? Even Ken, you said about uh, Christians knowing the Bible and so on. There are many so-called Christians who are just full-on focusing for this life and for this earth. And myself, if I could uh, ring the bell or, or, or blow the trumpet here, is that we don't know how long we have, but we have today. And today is to proclaim the love of God to everyone, every mm. people yes. on this earth, to know that He's coming to take us back and finish off with this mess. Mm. Mm. Going back to verse 12, thank you, folk, for your comments, but let's have a look again at verse 12. It mentions two groups of people. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. What is the rejoicing over? The fact that Satan is now banished permanently. Yes. He doesn't have access to heaven anymore. How do we know that? We'll find it in a second. Woe, but it says this, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows he has a short time. Nick, you mentioned earlier on that the devil is a student of Bible prophecy. He knows he's got a short time. Isn't it a pity that, as you mentioned, Ken, earlier on, that so many people seem to be lulled today into a false sense of security? They think that something's going to happen, but they all have different views on what it is. The Bible makes it very clear what the future holds. Very, very clear indeed. And if we read the Bible, particularly the book of Revelation, it will reveal to us not only Jesus Christ and the fact that he was victorious on the cross, but that he is coming again soon and that we can all be ready to meet him. And uh, Brenton, just uh, because we're talking quite a bit ab about uh, the um, life of Christians on this mm. earth, it's mm. amazing to look at this two parallel, the discrepancy in between the true people of God, the remnant, if you yes. like, and the majority of the Christians. Because we live in a time when the prosperity gospel is so popular. Mm. But also we don't know maybe enough of those people who are right now suffering because of the gospel. They are persecuted. And I just, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I uh, came across a gentleman, which I record one of uh, his story, um, visiting, you know, all around the world, those people who are persecuted right now. And, you know, he shared with, with us a few things like this, particularly like in China, you know, underground church and uh, many other, you know, even in the Muslim world and so many people suffering there. In 52 countries and regions, the Bible is banned. Really? Do you know that in China you cannot buy a Bible right now? You cannot buy a Bible unless you are part of the one of the group which is uh, ruled by the government and so on. What I'm trying to say here, don't be fooled that if you call yourself a Christian and some people will come and say, oh, believe in God and he will bless you and you'll never lack anything. And that's what I'm saying, prosperity gospel. We need to be very intentional in finding out exactly the time we live in. And we live in a very... When Satan comes with a full anger upon mm. us. Yeah. Yes, Helen. I'd just like to pick up on something that mm. Nick just said. Those countries, that they cannot have a Bible anymore. Um, I believe that there's going to come a time we will be in that boat. Mm. And now is the time. Now is the time of salvation, but now yes. is the time to get into the Word. Mm. You know, memorize it, study it mm. through the power of the Holy and Spirit. Yeah, and follow it. I was just going to say, through the power of the Holy Spirit, keep the words. You know, hear it and keep it. Mm. You know, I think it's so important. We've yes. got time now. Yes. Let's not put that time off. Mm. Let's, Let's use not. the time wisely. Yes. Ken, did you have a comment? Yeah, I just wanted to add that. Uh, it, it's, it really is important the time we live in to make the most of what we, the freedom we have because yes. that is, is definitely going to change and uh, time is actually very valuable. Mm. Let's go to verse 13, folk, because the chapter only contains another five verses, but verse 13 is particularly <coughs> significant. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. 
What this text is telling us, I believe, is Satan now realises that there is no chance whatsoever that he will ever be going back to heaven again. And because of his hopeless condition, he basically has taken the view that he will take as many to the lake of fire with him as possible. He will take as many to hell with him as possible. That's his response to so being permanently excluded from heaven. So his Lydia. focus is on mm. the, as he said in, in the in the verse, his focus focus is on the woman. So the yes. woman is the church, is God's yes. people. Yes. So his focus to destroy God's people. Mm. Lydia, seeing you brought that up, can I ask a, a quick question? Why is his focus not on the earth as a whole? Why is it on the woman alone? Because he's got already the others. That's the right. others are his. Mm. This is where the deception comes in. Some of you may have noticed when we read earlier on, it said the devil who deceives the whole world was cast to the ground. There's no need for him to worry about those who do not know the Lord because they are already deceived and they're ripe for destruction. This is why it is so, so important for us to share the word of God with people and to alert them not only to what is going to happen but also to show them that there is a God who has already made the way possible for them to be in heaven and to be ready. And in verse 14, um, which mentions precisely that uh, for a period of time when the children of God, the woman, will be persecuted and speaks here about the 1260 days, which prophetically means years, mm. or uh, a time times and half a time again which will work out means exactly the same uh, period of time and as we know started back in somewhere in the 5th century uh, 538 somewhere and and went all the way until 1798 Mm. all this period and it's amazing that the Bible it's giving us the whole period, you know, and you see the dark ages, you see everything what happened mm. during this time when the woman was persecuted and she was given actually the support from God, even in the wilderness, you know, and mm. was fed mm. there mm. to still survive. Mm. And we now have the opportunity uh, when you mentioned here already the freedom which we have now, let's Utilize it. Utilize it. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Nick. Uh, just a quick comment on this before we move on. In verse uh, 13, it talks about how he persecuted the woman. It has been estimated that in the first century alone, two and a half million Christians were martyred by the Roman Empire. Two and a half million. And, uh, of course, we all know the story of the Middle Ages where... There are various estimates, but some of them suggest as many as 150 million people were martyred during the 1260 years from 538 AD to 1798 that Nick has been talking about. God was still with these people, even though they lost their lives. Losing their lives indicated their unwillingness to do anything other than follow the Lord. And there is an important part of verse 14, Nick, that you um, mentioned. It talks about nourishing the woman in the wilderness. What is that nourishment? Can someone give me a simple answer as to what it is? I believe there is a text that helps us if we're struggling a little bit. Can someone turn to the book of John and have a look at John chapter 6 and verse 58 John 6 and verse 58 this will help us to understand what the nourishment was, was it physical nourishment spiritual nourishment what type of nourishment was it that these people, the persecuted saints of God had well Brenton looking at this uh, verse 58 this is that bread which came down from heaven not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead he that eateth of this bread shall live forever. So the bread is what? The word of God. The bread is the word of God. What it's referring to in Revelation 12 for our listeners is simple. The nourishment that they received, I believe, was physical. I believe God did look after them in their protected places where they'd fled to. But primarily, it was spiritual nourishment. They used to, some of you know, that they used to copy out the scriptures by hand Mm -hmm. and put pieces of it inside their coats and they would go around and pass them out to any person who might be interested to know the word of God. There was a complete famine 
for the word of God during this particular time. So the nourishment here that it's talking about is so important. But we need to move on. We are nearly out of time. <laughs> and we need to finish by looking at verse 17, which is where we will conclude our study today. Who would like to read verse 17 for me, please? Revelation 12 and verse 17. Happy to do that if you want. Thank you, Ken. Okay, again, King James Version. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. Mm. Ligia alluded to the testimony of Jesus as the spirit of prophecy earlier on. But here we have a focus in our closing remarks. If we as listeners are looking for the remnant that it's talking about here in the scripture, we should be looking for a group who keep all the commandments of God. And of course, when we come to chapter 13, which is our next study for next week, we will find the issue of worship is so important. Twelve, the, the chapter 12 just leads you into naturally into the study of chapter 13. The issue is always worship. So for those who wish to be part of this group, it says they keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. You should be looking for a group who keep all the commandments of God, including the Seventh-day Sabbath. If I wouldn't have a, my testimony with Jesus, if I wouldn't have my walk with Jesus in my life, I wouldn't have experiences with him, my foundation is not going to be strong mm. and I wouldn't be able to stand mm. in the last time when... Uh, persecutions and hard times will come. Mm. Thank you, Legia. Any any concluding comments on this, folk? This is really a matter of life and death. This is a matter of if you want to be part of that group that it is talking about here, even though we don't look forward to the devil turning his full attention and his full fury on us, it tells us one thing, that we are loved by God, that God is there for us, and it identifies them as two, a group containing two characteristics they keep the commandments of God they have the testimony of Jesus and that is just so so important and that's what I was going to just mention that uh, we need to be very careful not to just uh, pat ourselves and say you know what I believe in Jesus and because uh, the Bible says that even the demons believe and, and tremble. Uh, uh, tremble you know but uh, they are lost or another, another part in the Bible uh, Jesus will say to many of the people who uh, will pretend they work great miracles and things in his name, say, depart from me, I never knew you. What's important then? We are talking about the remnant. And that group of people are those people who are very intentional, know the Bible, the application of the Bible for the present time we live in. Um, and as you said, doing our part to uphold all the truth of the Bible and particularly the, the law of God and the testimony of Jesus and uh, as that referred in Revelation that referred to the spirit of prophecy which the Redmond will have also that gift of prophecy and interpreting the prophecy for the time we live in. In summary uh, <laughs> yeah, Sorry, just real quick, quickly uh, just adding to that uh, often when I speak to people out there they say to me, oh look I'm a good person and uh, I'm sure when uh, if, if Jesus comes back if there's a God and all that and judgment uh, I'll be okay and, and that's not the case, you have to make a step towards the Lord you, have to make a you can't do it on your own hmm. Any I was just Final going to comment. add at the just before we finish that for me um, I, I don't want to be defeated by Satan. I don't mm. think any of us here want to. Mm. And I, I did a little acronym with that with the word defeat that if we depend on God and we're earnest in study, we're faithful in following him, we enlist the help of the Godhead through prayer, we put on the armor, we trust in him. We have no need to fear of Satan. That's a very good God acronym. before us who can be against us. Satan is a defeated Mm. We always need to remember that. But yes. we also need to remember one thing from the study today. All of this comes down to personal choice. We are choosing each day whom we are going to serve. Do we want to be amongst this group who are ready to meet the Lord, this group who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus, or are we going to be amongst those who are deceived by the devil's last-day deceptions? Yeah. Thank you for uh, your... Um, input into our study 
today. Helen, would you like to close with prayer for us? Yes, I'd love to. Thank you. Loving Heavenly Father, we are in awe of you. We're in awe of the word that you've given to us, the prophecies and and the hope and the fulfillment of what was promised back in Genesis 3.15. Father, I just pray that not one of us will be missing, not one of us here on the panel, not one of our listeners, Father. I pray that each one of us will daily consecrate our life to you and you, that we will seek to know you better, to know you more, to love you more dearly, to see you more clearly, that we can rest assured that the end of the book tells us Satan is definitely a defeated foe and we're going to go home and spend eternity with you. Father, I just pray that that will happen soon, it'll happen quickly, but just keep us in the palm of your hand. I pray in the loving name of Jesus. Mm. Amen. 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 Thank you very much, panel, and thank you to you all who were listening to us today. May God bless you and keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus.